The reason I say that is because we come to church not to be blessed, but to be a blessing, to minister to God, to get filled back up so we can go out and do the work he's called us to do. And so we do that by, again, just trusting God with who he is. And I pray for today that you feel God's love stronger than you ever have. When you walk out of here, you have a connection and an intimate connection with God today. We're going to go into our series that we're in right now, um, Win the Day. We're going to be in week two this week. But before we get to that, I want to take a moment um, of silence because it is Memorial Day weekend. The reason we celebrate Memorial Day, and again, I understand why you thank veterans and I get all that, but today or Monday is not that day. Monday is the day to remember those who lost their life so we could get together. Yes, thank them for their service. Yes, totally do all that type of stuff. But you may hear that from some veterans. Because really, the reason we have a three-day weekend isn't so you can go barbecue and go to the beach and go and have fun. It is to remember the lives that were lost so we could do what we do today. And we honor that by remembering the greatest sacrifice on the cross that Jesus gave for us. So I want to take a moment of silence and pray this morning for that. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and again, we ask for a blessing on those families who have lost loved ones during this time, that you, you give them that sense of peace and that sense of comfort that they're not alone. As we remember those who have fallen, God, as we remember those who may, we may not have known but see videos on those who have fallen, we want to honor what they did by continuing to live those freedoms out not for selfish gain, but for selfless service. And so as we remember those who have fallen for this country, God, we also remember the fact, Jesus, you came and gave the ultimate sacrifice of your life for us by covering us in your blood so our sins would be forgiven. And God, that is why we get together this morning, is because you gave us the opportunity to worship your son. And so as we move forward with this morning, God, let us keep that on our hearts. That freedom isn't free. It costs somebody. Our freedom here this morning isn't free. It's because, Jesus, you went to the cross for us. And so, God, we just want to, again, live that life of freedom, not in a selfish way, but in a selfless way, to serve and love those around us. And again, thank you for those military men and women who over the years have given their lives for the sacrifice so we can have the freedoms we have today. And we love you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so also a couple other quick things. We have our sign-up sheet again in the back this week. Uh, if there's anything for June, July, and August you're willing to help us with once a week, sign up in the back. Thank you, everybody, who came in again this morning. Uh, as we started to set up, we weren't, wasn't really sure if it was going to rain or not, so we got all the walls put up and everything else. Uh, but again, God has blessed us with the opportunity to meet out here. Continue to talk to your friends. Continue to let people know what God's doing for you. Don't invite them to church. Invite them with you on a journey. And watch what God does. You know, we have a testimony of a couple weeks ago, a guy who was praying, not sure, and he goes, I just need some more of God in my life. I'm not sure what's going on. I shot him a text that night saying, hey, dude, we're at a meeting back out on the land. 
and he shared that with me that Sunday morning. He came in because he got that text five minutes after he was praying saying he needed more of God. See, God will do things. That's really where my message is going today. God's asking us to do the natural so he can do the super. And so if we remember the series that we're in right now isn't a self-help series. This really isn't. It is good ideas, but these ideas are God ideas. And most of God ideas are good. Can we agree on that one? Okay. You know, he, he gave us those, those words in Scripture, give us this day. His mercies are new every morning. His joy comes in the morning. And how when we, we start implementing and applying the principles of Scripture to our lives, we're going to stress less and be able to do more. When we stay in our lane and we learn how to bury dead yesterdays, quit worrying about unborn tomorrows, we can focus on what God has for us today. See, if we're worried about what happened in the past, we're worried about what's going to happen in the future, we miss what God's placed in front of us today. And that, I think, is the biggest tragedy in most people's lives, is they get to the end of life, and they've been so busy, worried about what are they going to do in five years, where are they going to be in ten years, what's going to happen with this, that they miss the joys that were sitting right before them. And we hurry through life, worrying about things that we can't control. Remember our, one of our key verses for this, for this series that I pulled out, um, it was, bless you, was in Romans 12 too. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God wants to transform the way we think. And we read last week, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you find out what's a lot of in your heart when you hit a stressful situation. And that's where we can say, okay, God, yeah, or at least I do. Okay, God, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. Please forgive me. Because my heart, it didn't just all of a sudden blurt out. It was in there. It had to be for it to come out. And that's why we talk about reading Scripture. Meditate on Scripture. Put Scripture in your heart. Feed on the Word of God. We talk about all that. Why? Because it's what, when it's in here, that's what comes out. But if all I'm feeding it is Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat and social media and this and that and watch the news, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? For lack of better way of saying it, crap. Because that's what you've been putting in. I'm sorry if that's not nice, but I am to the point of getting fed up with people just negative coming from everyone. And that's all you put in. What do you think's going to come out? I mean, I, I was, Christy and I were just talking about that yesterday. There are people, I just, I, I don't want to be around. Everything that comes out of their mouth is what's wrong. And I'm like, seriously, either fix it or shut up. Because my personality is don't give me an excuse. Help me figure out how to change it. I, I don't, I, the I, I, pet peeve, I don't like excuses. If you, if you can come up with an excuse, you can come up with an answer. I think some of you uh, flew right over your head. If you can come up with an excuse why you can't do something, you can come up with an answer why you can. And when we go into today's message, and we're going to go into Exodus 14, if you want to go there. Um, see, 
there's that old saying that if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Right? Well, last week we talked about if you want to change your life, you have to change your story. And you have to change the story you're telling yourself. The problem is, is most of us spend most of our lives waiting for God to split the sea in front of us when God is waiting for you to take a step. When God is waiting for you to do your part. See, as we were talking this morning, is God won't do the super until you're willing to do the natural. If we're not willing to take a step of faith and reach out to somebody across an aisle from us or across the street from us or across the table from us, why would God touch their heart? He's asking you to reach out so he can touch their heart. See, we have to make a defining decision. We have to be willing to take a risk. We have to basically put it plainly, sometimes just take a flying leap and watch God show up. We gotta quit thinking that we have to control everything because the minute we control it, God can't get into it. And there's a, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Charles Spurgeon. If you've been saved for a while, maybe you have. He suffered from depression and anxiety. Okay, great preacher. Great, great man of God. But he suffered from depression and anxiety. And he made a quote where this comes from, and Mark Batterson talks about it in his book. He said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Think about that for a second. He said, I've learned, and, and I had to put it again in a simple term so my mind could get it, because again, I'm a simple type of guy. And what I said is, during the times of stress, anxiety, and health concerns, and having children, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can go from sad to mad and back again in about 30 seconds. I mean, my emotions can be all over the place in about 30 seconds. I can argue with God. I can yell at God. I can do all this stuff in times of stress. And what, what, Spur, what Charles Spurgeon is saying here is, have I learned to trust God and let the obstacle pull, push me to God instead of push me away from him. And so what he's saying is I've learned to take those obstacles and say those obstacles are the way to God. They're not a hindrance to God. So I've learned to own those obstacles. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a, in a few seconds. But when we understand that obstacles aren't put in the way to keep you from God, a lot of times those obstacles are there to see if you trust God. Because if we got to have all the answers, do we really trust God? And God's saying, can you take a step of faith? Can you step out and trust what I'm telling you? And so when we learn to own the pain and not ignore it, we learn to, we learn to deal with the problems. See, there's a lot of things in my history that I could blame other people for. You know, I could blame other people for the fact, you know, I had an alcoholic father. And, you know, I could, I could blame my father for the past, for the fact that, you know, as growing up when, you know, he, he might have abused me. I could own, you know, I could blame him for all that. And in our culture today, we seem to have a culture that likes to do that. It's always someone else's fault. Well, that's just the way they were raised. When do we become adults and realize we're response-able to our responses? We're not responsible for what happened but we do get to choose how we're going to respond to it. 
And so through that, because, you know, Christy and I have talked about it, you know, if that was true, that how we were raised is a big deciding factor on how I'm supposed to be, I said I should be an alcoholic abuser. Because that's how I was raised. See, we got to stop blaming people for what we're doing and the choices we're making. We're responsible for our choices. And that's what's happening in this when we understand that God is going to throw us against, and the rock of ages, understand, is Jesus. And guess what? He's called a chief cornerstone. He's called the stumbling block. He's called, guess what? You're going you're gonna to fall on the chief cornerstone and shatter. I want that for my life. I want to be thrown against the rock of ages in my life to be shattered. Why? Because I don't want to own the past. I want to move past the past. That's why I say we got to bury dead yesterdays. Do I trust God with the outcome? And that's what, where we're going today with this. So if I set the scene for you guys this morning as we get ready to go into Exodus 14, and Moses is leading the Israelites, and they're headed out into the wilderness, and they're wandering around, and God hardens Pharaoh's heart, which that's a whole other series that I was doing some studying on that, what that actually looked like and, what, and meant. Um, and he says, guess what? Go after the Israelites, load up my chariots, let's go, let's get them. Okay, and so think about this for a minute. You are now standing at the Red Sea. No way to cross. I'm willing to bet these chariots, these horses, this army sounded like thunder coming at them. Now, there's a thing in dogs and a thing we talk about, the fight or flight mentality. People will either, when they go, come into stressful situations or they come into times of, of um, fear, they will either fight or they'll run away. Well, they couldn't run away. They had the Egyptian army bearing down on them on one side. They had the Red Sea on the other. It was basically that time of put up or shut up. Now, what did these guys do? The Israelites, like I think most of us would. Why did you lead us out here into the wilderness to die? Weren't there enough graves back in Egypt? We'd rather be slaves to our sin than free with God, is what they said. They said we'd rather be slaves back in Egypt, which in today's wording means I would rather be a slave to my former way of life and the sins I was living in than have the freedom that Jesus offers. That's why I say we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta get rid of the past. We gotta bury the past. Because you can't live in the past and the present at the same time. Y'all heard the saying, there's a reason why we have a small rearview mirror and a big windshield. You can't drive looking in your rearview mirror. Okay, that's what our past is, is a rearview mirror. Yes, it does kind of help define who we are. But it doesn't define who I am, if that makes sense. And so in this series, you know, as we're reading this, and they turned, and they said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves in the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the, uh, corpse in the wilderness. And Moses in verse 13 says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see, be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Yeah, we can give a hallelujah because we don't have an Egyptian army on one side and a Red Sea on the other. 
when you're in the midst of some junk, this is what God is saying to you. The Lord will fight for you. So just stay calm. See, we need to internalize scripture. There's three simple thoughts for this weekend as we learn to kiss the wave. And the first one is we have to face our fears. We have to face our past. We have to face past hurts. And now it hurts to face hurts. But the only way I could overcome some of those things of my childhood was to come to grips with what they really were. See, today we have a problem with, with attacking symptoms and not the problem. Most people deal with fear. They deal with addictions. They deal, and yes, they do. I get that. I am not minimizing any of them. But the problem I have is the majority of time we're so busy trying to fix the symptom that we don't want to dig to the problem and fix it. Because that hurts. That's that prayer, search me, God. And then it really hurts when I have to go to a brother or sister and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And all of a sudden, we got to start digging, and why are you dealing with this? You know, if you've heard my testimony, you've heard the first time I went to counseling at Life Assembly with the pastor there, he asked me the question, when do you remember being angry? I said, does getting kicked out of preschool count? <laughs> I dealt with anger my whole life. And as we dug deeper, and it hurt, looking back into my family, looking back into fi my family history, we found out it was a generational thing. It's not something that started with me. My grandpa dealt with it. My great-grandpa dealt with it. There was some stuff I did not want to know about my family. But I was able to overcome it because I knew about my family. I knew how to attack it. See, when we don't know the problem, we don't know what to attack, so we just try to pull symptoms. My anger wasn't a symptom of what was going on. It was the problem that was deep within. It was just manifest in my physical, my anger, my yelling, and everything else. Because courage is not the absence of fear. Because fear is kind of a prerequisite to have courage. You can't really have courage without fear. So see, all, there's always going to be things we fear. But how do I manage those fears? Is where the, where the cure comes. Do I run to the rock of ages? Or do I let my fear overtake me? Did you know you're only born with two types of fears? There's only two fears when you're born. It's the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Those are the only two fears as they've studied this that people are born with, which means every other fear we deal with was learned. Now I would have to say my daughter, middle one, did not, was not born with the fear of falling. Because she climbed up a ladder when she was like four years old to the roof. And I told her to get down, and she jumped. Now, it may not have been the fear of falling, but it might have been the trust in her dad to catch her. And I did, thankfully, because I wasn't expecting her to jump back down. But, again, when we understand that fears are learned and that we can unlearn them, we now know there, there, there is a faith, in faith there's the process of unlearning those. And so let's just take fear of financial issues. In faith in God, trusting him with my finances, I can overcome the fear 
of finances, which, which then do what? Finances can control me. It controls what I do, who I see, where I go, what I buy, everything I do. And so it starts controlling everything about my life. But you see, it was the fear that's the problem. The other stuff were just symptoms of what the problem was. It came down to I had a fear of this happening. 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out all fear. Because see, here's, here's the key. Here's the key to this, is when you fear God, which is the beginning of all wisdom, right? That's what this says. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And when I fear God, that perfect love of him casts out the fear of the natural of what it can do to me. Does that make sense? When I trust God more than I trust the problem, God can overcome the problem. But he's asking me to take the step. See, he wants to work hand in hand with us. Now, he is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. I say that all the time, and I truly believe it. Because that's who he is. But sadly, today, we have so many people who want God to do the supernatural, and they're not even willing to change one bit and then get mad at God when he doesn't fix their problems. I'm sorry, but I struggle with that. You want God to change your story? Then change your story. Change how you're seeing things. So what we need to do in a lot of these cases, in, this, in these waves and in these, these problems, what we, need to, what we need to figure out is we need to identify that fear. What is, what is really the fear? Because again, even as I, was, as I moved past that anger of understanding my, the generational stuff, there were other fears and there were other things that would set me off. Okay, make me angry. Well, it wasn't those other things. What I, what I started as I started studying a little bit more, it was, I, you know, I had a fear because I grew up fat, which is another reason why I was angry because you call me fat and then I just punch you. Um, it wasn't, the, it wasn't, I wasn't accepted. See, it wasn't the fact that somebody called me a name. It was the fact I was afraid of not feeling accepted so I would get angry and try to control the situation. See, that was the problem. The anger was the symptom. So we need to dig down. We need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time with the Father and say, reveal to me. Search me and tell me what the real problem is. And I, do, I, am, I am warning you right now, it will hurt. But I am also telling you there is no greater freedom on the other side of that obstacle than the blessing you'll receive. Because see, a lot of you this morning may, may be dealing with the fear of failure. You may be dealing with the fear of rejection fear of the future some of us fe fear social situations see we have to identify it so we know what to work on again we don't want to treat the symptom of the fear but we want to treat the root of it and then don't avoid it you know mark batterson in his book talks about the best way to overcome you know like a fear of a say let's just say social situations is don't avoid social situations, but give yourself a little bit of social situations where you're uncomfortable and basically inoculate yourself to it by exposing yourself to it. Don't pull away from what you're afraid of, but take little doses of it. Because guess what? Success isn't about one big decision. It's about hundreds and hundreds of small decisions in the face of fear that brought success. We, we, we learn to stay focused on God. 
If you think about the fact how I got here again, it was leaving a church I was at for 10 years, was doing fine, and, and, and I did love it. I loved the church family and what was, yeah, um, loved the family that was there. But God asked me to pick up and leave and go to Pine City. I go to Pine City and that all hits the fan and goes completely, if you look at it, naturally wrong. Nothing happened right there, if you look at it naturally. And then I came back and I'm saying, hey, are you going to go here? Hey, you're going to go there? I'm like, hey, I just want to take a couple weeks to sit down and pray, see what God's got next. Through that, Emo reaches out. I come up here. We sit down and talk, and we're like, hey, let's, go, let's run with it and see what God does. We come up here and say, okay, let's plant a church. I've got no idea what I'm doing. I feel most of the days like I'm drinking water out of a fire hose. And I'm like, God, I, I got nothing. Well, come alongside Doug Vogley with the Minnesota District and coming alongside Denny Curran. All of a sudden, other pastors started coming alongside us. See, when we take a step of faith, God will send the provision. But again, we've got to take the step of faith and we've got to wade in the water a little bit so God can bring the provision. And so I went through all that. You know, again, in Pine City, it wasn't a failure as, as I sat back and, and prayed and thought about it. I'm like, I learned a lot there. I learned how to deal with people more. I learned how to deal with different situations more. Jokingly, you know, we talked about it life. You learn how to not take the piano off the platform in one Sunday um, because people get upset about that. I grew as a Christian. I grew as a pastor. I grew as a follower of Christ. I grew as a friend, as a father, and a husband all through walking through the obstacle. See, a lot of times failure or success isn't, a, isn't about learning the lesson. It's about cultivating a character that God needs. And most of us need failure so God can cultivate the character. We don't need success. We already think enough of ourselves. One more thing, and this is critical, is we are also part of a spiritual family. When you're running through issues, don't isolate yourself from your family. Draw in. Don't, draw, don't push out. Don't pull out. Understand we are meant to pray for each other. Understand we are iron sharpens iron. Understand we are here to elevate, to lift, and to act, activate each other's faith. And if you were to share something with somebody and that person went around behind you and gossiped about you after that at that point, we would have an issue. I say it in every class I've ever taught that what's said here stays here. There are things I don't tell my wife in, from counseling. We need to be like that with each other. And when somebody shares with us, it stays with us. Now understand, yes, if it's something illegal, please say something. I'm talking spiritually. All of us are on different levels. God says, you know, take those who are more immature than you and lift them up and help them. Don't judge them. So when you're in the middle of the Red Sea, I'm thinking Moses at that point, as he's crying out to God, he has a flashback to the burning bush. Just think about that for a second. He's like, because you know Moses got that same thought process. Here comes the Egyptian army. Here's the Red Sea. What's next? But God has a way of reminding us about things he's told us. And God's response to Moses, when Moses asked God who he was, am I good enough to do this? God's response to Moses was, I will be with you. See, understand, in your problems, God's going to be with you. 
God will walk with you through it. Remember, it does say in Scripture that he who began a good work in you is going to carry it to completion. See, God's preparing in advance all of the works that he's called you to do. And it also says all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So ground yourself in the word of God. Anchor yourself to the promises of God. And embrace the pain and suffering. Because that pain and suffering might very well be the gateway to your blessing. Now, in the stages of grief, denial is the first one. Don't get stuck there. That's why we have to own it. We can't get through grief unless we walk through grief. We can't get through problems unless we're willing to walk through them. And don't walk alone. Bring somebody alongside you. Don't get stuck in the pain and the fear. Spend time to God. Spend time with God. And as Laura Mark Batterson's wife said when she was dealing with um, breast cancer, she came across a piece of poetry and said, what are you trying to teach me? See, when you're going through pain, God may be trying to teach you something. And you need to sit and ask, what are you trying to teach me? Those have been some long nights for me. Because again, pain isn't fun. But when we learn the lesson God has for us, it is so freeing to walk out on the other side of it. Now again, you're going to have trouble in life. You're going to have things go wrong. But understand that God is with you. The second point I kind of already went through it is stand your ground. The third point is hold your peace. The Lord, it says the Lord himself will fight for you, so just stay calm. So how do you stay calm when everything is going crazy? You know, how, how do you keep calm? And one of the ways he talks about as I was studying is you have to interrupt the pattern. And what I mean by that is if you want something to change, then you might need to sidestep and change. It's not the problem that needs to change, it's you that needs to change. See, we interrupt the pattern, we interrupt the story we keep telling ourselves, we interrupt the Facebooks, the social medias, we interrupt that stuff and we don't look at it. We say, I'm not going to listen to that, I'm not going to feed my soul with that stuff, because that's what you are doing by reading this stuff, is you are feeding your fear or you're feeding your faith. Whichever one you feed more is going to be stronger. And so I learned to feed my faith, I learned to stay calm, I learned to stand in the promises of God. I learned to trust him more than the problem. So this morning, I want to challenge you guys. <laughs> as, I, as I read through the end of this, before I get to the challenge for you guys, what time we got? Oh, I got three minutes. All right, sweet. Um, I can finish this up quick. Because as we read through this and we get to verse 15, this is where to me it's, it's, so, it's so understanding that we have more power than we think and we have the resources of heaven at our hand because we're joint heirs with Christ. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? We're saying, God, fix my problems. He's like, Why are you whining, Gene? I'm like, Because my problems are so big. Are they bigger than me? You're right, God. I'm sorry. See, we got to get to that. God is saying, why are you a big baby? Get over it. Because I'm with you. I'll fight for you. Do you trust me? 
Now that's me. Again, that may not work for you. That is my personality. That's how God dealt with me in a situation that I'm sharing with you guys. And he goes, he goes, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. God, there's a sea here. I'm thinking that's what he said. It didn't get put in scripture because that wouldn't have been as cool a story. And most like, don't you see this, God? Because that's what we do, isn't it? Don't you know how big a decision this is, God? Yeah. Didn't I send my son to die for you? I kind of understand big decisions. Pick up your staff. This is where it's great. This is where I say it. Unless you do the natural, God can't do the super. Because again, we think God split the Red Sea, which ultimately he did. But he didn't do it until Moses picked up his staff and raised his hands over the sea. And this is what it says. It says, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through in the middle of the sea on dry ground. Now, if you watch the Ten Commandments, it's a big breath of God comes out in the sea. No, Scripture says, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, and divide the water. See, the challenge you're facing right now, God may be saying, stand up and walk. You've already overcome it. You just need to take a step of faith. Morning! Um, now, yes, God split the sea. Moses had no ability to do that. Don't hear me wrong. But until Moses did what God had called him to do, God didn't do it. So in your situations, understand that you may need to take a step of faith so God can show up and do the supernatural. Because to him, it's natural. And he said, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through in the middle of the sea on dry ground. So my challenge for you this morning is would you be willing to share what fear you're facing with someone? Before we leave this morning, I'm going to throw that in. What promises are you standing on right now that someone else, because it says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We know there's power in numbers. Ecclesiastes say with one, you know, you can die. With two, we can keep each other warm. With three, a cord of three isn't easily broken. I'm challenging you this morning to be a family and pray for each other. Share what's going on with each other. Share what promises God's given you that you're trusting. Y'all know for me what it is with this land. I'm not shy about sharing the promise of what God, the vision God's given me for this land but I need you guys praying with me on it. It's also the greatest fear I have is building this building on this land because I'm representing the Father and we are representing the Father. And so I want to make sure we do it right. See, fears and promises can be the same thing. You know, one of the things we say in our Next Steps class is we want a messy church. Well, that's good and bad because messy people bring messes. But messy people is also who Jesus came from and gets me excited. See, that's what we're looking at. See, God tells the Israelites to move forward. And I'm asking you this morning to take a step of faith. And that first step is going to be the hardest step. Because admitting to somebody you're dealing with something or there's a promise you're standing on 
is hard because we're worried about being accepted. But here's what I want you to understand. When you exercise faith, there's this thing called the law of inertia, right? An object in motion. Well, when we start moving in faith, guess what happens? We start seeing faith move. But we have to start moving. And I say that with our lives as well, that if we want our lives to change and where our lives are headed, we need to change what we're doing. We can't expect it to just be different and change. And so as we fix our, fix our eyes this morning on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, it says. Jesus lived out kissing the wave and facing the problem and coming out on the other side, the soon and coming king. So don't look at your obstacle as the problem. Look at it as a way to the blessing God has for you.